Shalom. The images, the music, the lyrics, they're stirring. But as the images and memories start to fade, how long will the conviction last? As other voices from radio, television, daily life cast their different visions, will our commitment stand firm? Being faithful to Jesus' call on our life can be a challenge in today's world when so much that we hear is at odds with God. But it's nothing new. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul knew the challenges that faced the people that he loved. Challenges not so different from what we face. Challenges to discern between truth and falsehood. Challenges to not merely look good, but be godly. So Paul wrote his letter to Timothy. For years, Paul had, had fixed his eyes on Jesus, his Lord and his Savior, whose example of taking on the form of a servant that Jamie read earlier today, enduring the cross, despising its shame, it shaped Paul both his mindset and his ministry. And Paul had, had run the race set before him, and it was a race that was filled with amazing ministries and lots of difficulty and hardship. But God had worked powerfully in a midst that was very difficulties and hardships to transform not only Paul but those whose hearts and minds he administered to. Today's verses have multiple threads running through them to make, to make their way through this passage and so um, instead of preaching verse by verse I'm going to go more theme by theme but I want you to hear Paul's presentation. So I've asked a number of brothers and sisters to read a portion of the passage from the New Living Translation. And Jamie has graciously offered to run the mic. Guys, this is your family. This is your family who speaks words of life into your life. hear God's word. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only lives, leads to more godless, 
behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, and in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus, they have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands like a firm foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. The older I get, the better my forgetter. 
And so I need to be constantly reminded even of truths that I have known for a long time. That's why I'm glad that Paul, seeing the end of the, his ministry quickly approaching so urgently and lovingly and persistently, reminded and warned Timothy to remind and warn those who are under his care and us as well, that we are called to be the servants of the Lord who are prepared and useful to the master for every good work. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are children of God. That is our identity. But we're also uniquely gifted and called to be his servant. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. And he was fully committed to do the will of the father. The way he lived, he lived by grace and truth. And so he calls us, each of us, to be ones who handle God's word correctly. Who know God's word, who can apply God's word in whatever situation we find ourselves in. But like Jesus, we can't be just talk. Our hearts, our attitudes, our actions, they must reflect and bring glory to Jesus. We are to be holy, pure, and clean vessels instruments in our master's hand, always ready to be used. But how can we do that on a regular basis? We must live in God's empowering presence. In Paul's words to Timothy in verse 14, he uses a phrase that is easy to gloss over. Command them in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Whether we recognize it or not, we are always in the presence of God. And this God knows us. For as it says in verse 19, we have a God who knows his own. He knows us at our very core. We can't fake him out. Nothing is hidden from his gaze. We are not on our own to do things our way. We are called to live life with Yahweh, his way. That's always been God's desire for us. As Jesus reminded his disciples on the night of his crucifixion that apart from him, we can do nothing. We were created to have an ongoing, dynamic, personal relationship with the living God, not an occasional, distant, haphazard one. And that means more than just plugging biblical factoids into an otherwise worldly approach to the way we live. 
It means seeing things from God's perspective, having a biblical mindset, a godly framework for thinking. It means having a heart that beats in rhythm with God's that we can't generate on our own. We need His Spirit working within us. We are not merely passive puppets in the master's hand. We are called to be actively engaged. Look to the neighbor near you and say, actively engaged. Thank you for doing that. Do you realize what that means? You decided to be actively engaged, and I'm not even the master. What cool it would be if as his voice rings in our ears, we actively engage and put it into practice. Like Jesus, we need to be regularly hanging out with the Father. I know a lot of us have quiet times, but sometimes we're just checking off a list. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Actively hanging out with our Heavenly Father. And what's cool is because of what Jesus has done, he has made a new and living way so that we have 24-7 access to the throne of grace, to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. And the question is, is how often is that? All the time. And like Psalm 1 we need to be delighting in God and His Word and meditating on it day and night and all the time in between. For according to the writer in Hebrews, it's the ones who are constantly using God's Word, they have the ability, they are the mature ones who can discern truth from falsehood. But even as we're doing all of that and hanging out with the Lord, we need to understand this is not a me and Jesus affair. It's not us on our own. God has given us his family and we are called to partner with godly companions in godly pursuit. This summer, our, our church has been going through an absolutely fantastic discipleship series. And uh, we've been going through a study guide of Paul David Tripp's instruments in the Redeemer's hands, and the study guide is great. The big book is even better. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to get into it, Grab a hold of these and then grab a hold of one of those and say, hey, let's walk down a road together. 
It was, however, I need to get back to my notes. Um, in this past week's gathering on Tuesday night, we came across a statement that Paul Tripp made in this book. He said, we tend to live in terminally casual relationships. Let me say that one more time. We tend to live in terminally casual relationships. Boy, ain't that true. What we need to do is partner in loving and authentic relationships in Christ. Or as Paul puts in verse 22, enjoy the companionship of those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. I sometimes like to refer to them as 3 a.m. brothers and sisters. These are the people who you could call at 3 in the morning when you're going through painful or confusing times, fully trusting that they will handle you with gentleness and respect. They may have some real doubts of your, your timing, but they'll do it. These are the people who really know you, who know your heart, who know your story, who know your strengths, who know your challenges, who know your blind spots and regularly speak life into you, not unlike what we heard this morning. From all sorts of different places, we heard God's word being spoken to us. These are people who regularly speak life into you with grace and truth, and they're practicing love, light, and life. They're praying for you. They're speaking truth and calling out the lies you're choosing to tell yourself, shining light into dark places, practicing grace and, and humility, humbly but courageously warning us of the dangers ahead if we keep going down the wrong road. We may live in a culture that touts rugged individualism, but we are not called to be Lone Rangers Christians. We are not on our own. We are part of Christ's body. Sometimes we're gathered, sometimes scattered, but always connected. So, who are your three in the morning friends? Do you have them? Are you one of them for someone else? I'm amazed. I am amazed how actively 
the women in this church are actively pursuing that. Guys, we have an opportunity to present for you that uh, on September 15th, we're going to have a breakfast. But it's not just for the food. A group of six people were asked by Pastor Ben to, to start exploring how the men of this church might deepen their relationship with Christ and each other uh, so that we could actually be God's person in the place that he's put us. And uh, between now and September, it is our intent to contact all the adult men of this church and get your take. Come up to your understandings. And if you don't hear from one of us, could I have that? Some of those, whoever's in that team. Could you stand up real quick because I want to out you? Come on, Pete, stand up. Okay, this is some of us. Um, okay, you can sit back down. Anyway, if one of us has not contacted you in the next couple of weeks, contact me. Because we really do want to hear what the Lord is revealing to you. September 15th. Oh, September 16th. Thank you. It's always good to have. See, the brother is making sure and calling out my lies. Yeah, yay. Um, I like that. So let's move on to the next point. Okay, we've seen that we're called to be the Lord's servant, a good worker who rightly handles the word of God, who is dynamically relying on the living God who is ever-present and knows and loves us. And we see that we're to be about partnering with other believers to be about our Father's business. So, Paul reminds us that we're doing this in the midst of a fallen world in which we live, where false teaching and false living abound. And so he commands us, he, he commands us to flee the false and pursue the true. To flee the false and pursue the true. Let's look at the first one. Paul reminds us in verse 19 that all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. And that can be a huge challenge. Because like Charlie said in, our, our, in the communion meditations, that Satan is a thief and a liar, the very father of lies. And he's very good at being very bad. He is the ultimate con artist. And he's got a whole lot of people doing his bidding and they aren't even aware of it. 
the adversary just loves to dangle little goodies that will lead us down a dark road. And it's not just a bad road, it's a godless road. One that negatively impacts not only the speaker, but the hearer. As Paul highlights some of the damage caused by false teaching, verse 14, it catastrophically ruins the hearers. Verse 16, it leads to more godless behavior. Verse 17, it spreads rapidly like gangrene or cancer. And verse 18, it turns some people away from the faith. And what results from all of that is a society without God or indifferent to God or being one's own God who are following our own agenda that looks amazingly like the world that surrounds us that is at odds with God. As you make your way through the Paul's list in chapter 3, it sounds like a perfect description of our, common, our current culture. Here are some of the things. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, impulsively wild, cruel, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, acting religious, having the form of godliness, but denying its power. We find it easy sometimes to start pointing fingers as we're reading through that list. But it's amazing having three fingers pointing right back at us. Because we realize just how much we can come under the influence of Satan's lies. And even in a, a godless society, they have their list of good and bad, naughty and nice. And, and for them, it seems absolutely right. But it can be deadly. For even as it says in Proverbs 14, there is a way that seems right in a man's eyes. But the way thereof is death. And so Paul urges us to flee the false. But that's not just all we do. Because it's not just running away. It's what we run toward. We pursue the true. We're not called to be merely, ni merely nice or good, we are called to be godly. In chapter 2, verse 22, Paul challenges us to pursue righteousness, to, 
Let me get a new mouth. To pursue righteous living. That is right or godly action that flows out of a right relationship with God. And then we're called to fruit to faithfulness, which is to say a deep trust and reliance upon God that displays itself by living a life that is in rhythm with God's heart. Furthermore, we're called to grow in love, a deep and passionate love for God that displays itself in a compassionate love for other people. Then we're called to pursue peace. Not just an avoidance of conflict, but actually a trying to promote health and well-being and wholeness. What stirs me is to think of Paul. Paul sitting in a prison cell, totally anticipating his, his own execution. I don't see him, you know, chewing his fingernails. But I see what's on his heart is that the gospel would go forth. And so he challenges Timothy and us to share Jesus transforming love with our world, even our opponents. We are called to be servants of the Lord, a Lord who loves us, a Lord who loved us by laying down his life while we we're still his enemies. A Lord who said, be like me. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And so Paul calls us to be like Jesus, to shine light into the darkness, to challenge false teaching by putting forth truth with grace. We are to stand up against falsehood, but not by quarreling. We're not to, to try to win an argument, but be about our Father's business. It's not just about telling the truth, it's displaying the truth. Not just in our words, but in our, our actions. We are not Christian telemarketers seeking a quick sale for Jesus. Nor are we gospel bullies trying to paint people into a corner or make them feel foolish for having doubts or questions. But just 
as Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. So we need to be real people who recognize that we're in need of Jesus. Coming along and being used of him to help other people who are in need of a heart change. Paul challenges us in chapter 2, verse 24 and 26, to let our interactions be full of the fruit of the Spirit. We are to act, according to that passage, in kindness toward everyone. We are to be patient with difficult people. And some of you may have found me sometimes to be one of those. So I'm very grateful for your patience. And gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Wow. That would be a change. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Trusting that God is at work. And perhaps God will change the hearts of those people that they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. We love our enemies in the hopes that they will experience a change of heart, a change of mindset that leads to a different way of thinking and living. And it causes people to align themselves with God's heart and mind. A yielding to God on their part and of us. A total surrender recognizing Jesus' lordship. He calls the shots. I don't want this to sound manipulative, but I invite you to restate one of Jesus' phrases. I'll give it to you and then invite you to join me if you want. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Wow. Paul said it a couple thousand years ago. Michael Cotton prophesied about it last year. Hard times are ahead. Challenging times. But we are not alone. We have a good and a great God who has given us a godly family of brothers and sisters in Christ. 
who can partner with us as we grow deeper in our understanding of God's Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. A gracious and compassionate God who is more than able to work in and through us to accomplish great things for His glory. May it be so. Let us pray. God of creation and salvation. You created us and saved us to be a dynam in a dynamic relationship with you. To love you with all our heart and being. To be your servants and to do your will. to go where you send us, to clearly and, and boldly proclaim your, your truth and grace in our words and our actions. As the oceans roar your praises and the mountains bow in reverence, let that be so in us. Grant us courage. Grant us wisdom. Grant us your heart for the facing of these days. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I am going to ask you guys, grab one of these on your way out if you didn't grab it on the way in. This is for taking notes. Obviously, that won't be happening. It's this part. I learned something from Eduardo. He asks questions that dig deep and get me thinking in directions that I don't necessarily want to go. Find a 3 a.m. friend or a potential 3 a.m. friend and run some of these by them. Wrestle with these before the Lord.